Well, hey, everyone. I'm Casey Husen. I'm the host of SpireCast, where we bring you conversations to help you thrive in ministry. And today we're going to be starting a two-part conversation with Mitch Harrison about how to build a plan for personal replenishment. Mitch Harrison is the executive pastor at Canyon Ridge Christian Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. He is also the founder of Refill Coaching, and he speaks regularly to groups of business leaders and church leaders about identifying burnout and developing a plan to replenish and to refill. So we want to welcome Mitch Harrison to the podcast today. Thanks for joining us, Mitch. Thanks for having me, Casey. Of course. So Mitch, would you tell us what led you to be so passionate about helping leaders identify burnout and create systems of replenishment? Sure. You know, leadership, especially in the church, just got more and more difficult. Uh, I mean, leading in the church is hard enough to begin with. And I think God really stirred for me uh, the, the memory of what I had been through a few years before that, where I myself had walked into a season of burnout that I never saw coming. Uh, looking back, I could tell that I had patterns and rhythms in my life that really were unhealthy, that kind of left me on a roller coaster all the time, of up and down, of feeling good, but man, then feeling really tanked until it finally just got me. And I uh, found myself in the season of burnout that I could not pull myself out of. And it actually took about six months for me to recover from that wow. and to start feeling like a normal human being again. Uh, so it was, it was out of that. And again, out of just watching other leaders struggle and then also coaching our staff and, and on our team in Las Vegas about, you know, really how to develop some healthier rhythms that, uh, kind of a new passion in me was born of helping leaders stay in the game and do that at a really high level. Yeah. So important in post COVID, we know that this is such a, a thing that people are dealing with all over. Um, Barna suggests that actually 38% of pastors have considered quitting in the last year. Why do you think that this percentage is so high? Yeah, well, leadership in the church was not easy to begin with. Yeah. And then you add the challenges that we all went through of completely flipping our models around where we couldn't gather anymore or we we're having to find ways to gather in creative ways. But then also dealing with a lot of the criticism that came from every direction, no matter which way you turned, which way you led, there was criticism coming in every direction. Add on top of that, you know, the social ills that were happening at the time, the things we saw in our culture around race, um, the, the social issues that we, we still see continuing now, controversies around, you know, how the church is dealing with different social issues. Uh, it has just made a really tough environment for pastors to lead in. And I think there are a lot of pastors that maybe have just said, you know, it's really hard and I kind of had enough maybe, or I can't figure out a way to continue in a way that's sustainable and healthy. Right. Right. And you suggest, you know, a couple of different rhythms that we can, we can start adopting that really help us refill as a leader. I imagine born out of your own journey, uh, and, and things that you've helped, you've done yourself to refill. Um, can you talk about the five simple rhythms that help us become refilled as a leader? And could you give us an overview of those and then maybe dig into the first two in our conversation for today? Yeah, sure. First of all, you know, I think the really important to think about this in terms of regular ongoing rhythms is that oftentimes when it comes to our personal replenishment, 
how we find ourselves guessing at what will work. You know, I, I, I noticed that with myself. Uh, you know, I knew that I needed some things and I would hear things like, man, you got to spend more time with God. You got to take some vacation time. You got to go get some rest, you know, all those kinds of things. Yeah. But what I found out most of the time was I was just guessing. I was yeah. trying to figure out what I really needed to, to replenish myself and to be the best version of myself that I could bring to the ministry. But, uh, oftentimes I would guess and guess wrong. You know, it's the, Hey man, I need a vacation. So let's, let's take the kids on a road trip, you know, throw the kids in the van and go out, you know, go on the road for a few days. And man, that's, that's fun and exciting, but may not be exactly as much fun as we all. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking you know? probably not restful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I noticed around our church, we actually offer our, our pastors sabbaticals if they've been on staff for six years in the seventh year, you get a sabbatical. Okay. So I found myself oftentimes in conversation with some of our team. When they would ask, you know, hey, man, what makes a good sabbatical? How do I get the most in a sabbatical? And I noticed that I would find myself telling them the same five things over and over again. One, you need to get some rest. And that's the first rhythm, right? We all, it's kind of the go-to of, man, let's go find some rest. But oftentimes we don't really know what helps us to feel rested. Uh, but we know we need to get some. So rest is obviously critical, but we got to figure out what it is that helps us feel rested. The second is what I call release. We've got to find some un, some ways to unpack our emotional bags. And I would tell pastors, you need to go away on this sabbatical and find some way to unpack your emotional bags. You know, the ministry is is just littered with moments when we all find ourselves hurt or wounded by criticism or bearing the weight of responsibility in such a way that it just drains us emotionally or hurts us emotionally. And I think we've got to find a way to unpack those emotional bags, uh, to get with people that we can talk with that can help us. Uh, the third rhythm was one that I call receive, and it should be simple for us as followers of Jesus to find those moments when we can simply let God's Spirit minister to each one of us and receive from God the things that he has in mind for each of us in terms of healing and help. But I think particularly in terms of renewing our sense of calling, you know, how often have we heard? as a pastor has gone along in ministry over a period of time that their sense of calling has just been beat to death under the hammer of the daily grind of ministry, all of the things that a pastor or a church leader has to deal with. And at some point, we've got to go back and let God restir our sense of calling and mission, receive again the calling of God for, for our ministry. And so taking time to get with God, to receive those things from God again and to see what he has for us. And then the last two rhythms are, are simple. Uh, it's the ones that are, that are kind of our go-to. What, what kind of fun can we have? What kind of recreation can we put into our life on a regular basis so that we actually are having some fun? Uh, you know, I heard a guy say one time that fun is what drags us into the present. And oftentimes we get so scattered in our minds that we need those moments of just sure enjoyment to uh, drag us back into the present. And then what? with recreation also to uh, seed our life full of deep relationships with people where we can find empathy, where we can find encouragement from others, where we get with those people that just fill our soul and intentionally set aside time to just enjoy relationship with the people that God has brought around us. So rest and release and receiving, again, our calling from God and then recreation and relationships or the rhythm that should be a part of our experience all the time. 
That's great. And can you maybe unpack, because I'm sure you've worked with a lot of different leaders who, you know, they're going to start this journey and they're going to figure out what is restful for them. But that in itself can be stressful, right? You only have a limited amount of time to rest and you're trying to figure out, um, you know, what can I do to actually find rest? And um, can you talk a little bit about that journey of finding what's restful for the individual person who's looking for it? Absolutely. Rest, but we don't always know exactly what that looks like for us. Uh, I really deeply believe that that there really is no real rest unless we are able to rest in God. And uh, the reason being is because rest is is uh, kind of no duh as this sounds. You know, rest is about not working. It's about setting aside our work, setting aside those things that are draining to us or that require from us the things that are constantly pulling on us. And we have to be able to set aside our work so that we can actually find moments of rest. If we're working, we're not resting. Um, Just like any runner knows, if you are still running, you are not recovering, no matter how slow it is, you might be running. And so we got to find time to actually set aside our work. And what we all know is that it's one thing to drive away from the office. It's a whole different thing to shut off the work that's going on in here all the time. Right. Things with us that cranks away and doesn't let us sleep and doesn't ever let us have real downtime. That was one of the things that uh, really got me is having to find what it is that helps me to shut down the work. And here's what I found for me, that if I'm going to do that, I've got to be able to answer this question. Why can't I shut off the work? Hmm. Uh, that's not just as easy as scheduling a day off. You know, that takes a little bit of soul searching because I was taking a day off when I burned out. In fact, I was taking two vacations a year, one in the summer and one in the winter, and I still burned out. And the reason was that even though I had taken time off, I really wasn't finding time to actually turn the running of the world, turn the running of the church over to God and just rest in him to set aside what I have called toxic responsibility, this sense of over-exaggerated responsibility that oftentimes many church leaders carry with them, that if it's going to happen, I've got I've to know everything that's going on. I've got to own every outcome. I've got to do all of the things that it requires to get those outcomes. Uh, the sense that we have of leaders that, man, I'm responsible for everything that has to happen and never being able to set aside that sense of responsibility so that I can actually rest. I think there's some internal work that has to be done to be able to find what it is to set aside our work and give ourselves permission to shut off the work so that then I can find a few moments where I not, I don't work so that a day off is really a day off so that a vacation is really a vacation and that into those periods of time, the, the day off that I take, the vacation time that I take, then I can put things like recreation that is real recreation because I'm not still working in my head. So I can really take time and spend with God and let him renew my calling so that it's because I'm not constantly working and clogging up all of those channels so that I can never really hear from God. So rest really begins, you know, in here and right. uh, takes a real moment of trust for us to say, God, I trust you to run the world and I turn it over to you. It's that 
you know, Matthew 11 passage that talks about how we take Jesus' yoke upon us and that we partner with him in the work we do. We partner with him so that we can actually find rest for our soul. We come to him. We depend on him so that we can find real rest for our soul. Yeah. I love also that you're an executive pastor of a church. So on top of your coaching, you know, you are also working with the other ministers uh, on a staff. And I imagine you modeling this for them is setting up a a healthier um, way for them to do life and ministry. If there are executive pastors listening to this interview or watching it, right now, what might you coach them to do to set up a culture where, you know, people feel free also? Because that's also some of the, you know, excuse you can hear too as well. You know, I'm, I have to be responsible for doing these things. And a lot of it's our own stuff. And some of it also is just not the culture in the church, right? How, how would you set up executive pastors to have this kind of culture within their church? Sure. Yeah. I think it always Right. I mean, no, no great culture. In fact, no culture in any organization begins anywhere except with somebody that has a conviction. Think of all the great organizations, you know, that are known for their culture. They're known for that culture because somebody had a conviction about how we should work together. And I think it starts with an executive pastor, a senior leader saying, you know what? I have a different kind of conviction about what the rhythms of rest and work ought to be. Uh, it begins there. And then I think, you know, cultivating that kind of conviction into our organizations, inviting some people around us who are kind of our likely suspects, some of our best people, some of the best thinkers we have on our team, and invite them into a conversation around these kind of rhythms. Uh, invite them to begin to explore what real rest might look like so that they could show up for work, rested, show up at their best to do ministry. And invite those kind of conversations and find out what might help other people and their staff. And then from there, as they begin to cultivate that kind of uh, input and contribution from people on their teams, that they could begin to develop real convictions about this that they begin to spread to others in their organization. And I love seeing you do that personally. You know, I think anytime... Uh, an executive pastor can lead the way by example, taking that time away for rest themselves um, tells me, you know, it, well, if he can do it, if they can do it, then surely I can do it. Um, a lot of the time you'll hear that, you know, oh, you should take your vacation. You should take some time away, but your boss isn't taking any time away. And um, for the type of leader we're talking about here, they probably need some guidance in, hey, you need to take this time and they need to see someone model it. So I just applaud you for doing that, too. I, I think you modeling that goes a long way for your staff to see as well. Well, I appreciate that. They do model it. It's it's only in the modeling of culture does culture actually spread. You know, yeah. uh, somebody has said the culture is just what everybody does together, what everybody has agreed to do. And, uh, you know, it's not what one person does. It's what we all have agreed to do. And it's how we all have chosen to do ministry together. And, uh, but it definitely has to start somewhere where somebody says, you know, there, there maybe is a better way and I will give you permission as I give myself permission to do this. Yes. Yes. That's great. This, the second part of the rhythm you talked about is just releasing that emotional baggage. Uh, what practices do you find to be most helpful for this? This is a tough one um, because I think 
uh, leaders just kind of pick up the stuff that happens to them, you know, the criticism that comes, the weight of leadership, the new thing that gets set on your desk and set on your plate. We just pick that stuff up and put it in the backpack and we just keep going. And it can tend to build up in us over time. And I do think we got to have regular rhythms of this. Obviously, when, we t when I talk about this in workshops, the first question that everybody asks is, well, how much do I have to spend on a counselor? And certainly counseling can help. And it is a great uh, resource that we have, especially in the Christian community, where we have great counselors around uh, to talk with and help us about with these kinds of things. Uh, but oftentimes what happens is we wait until there's a real problem before we go and see a counselor. We start going to a counselor after something devastating or traumatic has happened and the counselor is left to help sweep up the mess. I think the regular rhythms of going to see people or going to talk to people on a regular basis is what it is. I found two things that are, that are the most helpful for me and they're just very simple. One is taking time in personal reflection. Um, I set aside time uh, at least once a month for me uh, on a very, in a very formal way to sit down with my journal and just ask myself this question, what am I carrying and what effect is it having on me? So I really take some time to think about what are the, what is kind of the emotional weight that I have picked up over this past year or over this past month or over the past two or three months and take some time and reflect on that, to, to think about the things that have come that are starting to weigh on me emotionally and, and identify what effect is this having? I mean, how much is this really affecting me? So personal reflection. And then second is finding a person to reflect with, um, simply finding a friend or a mentor or a group of friends to talk with. I've got this great group of friends here in Las Vegas. I've known most of them for, you know, 20 years, there's six of us that get together. And, uh, what I noticed was every time we, it was kind of a small group, you know, we, we'd get together, we'd eat a little bit and we'd talk a little bit and. What I noticed though, is every time I go over there, these guys, we would all go around and ask the same question. How's your week? How's your week? How's your week? And I thought, you know what? I, I need to tell them this needs to be a place where I get to unpack some of my bags. Hmm. And so they, they would ask what I would do is on the way over there, I would just, uh, I would make a list. Like I would think what this week has really weighed on me. And sometimes it's nothing, you know, sometimes I'm good. Um, right. Other times it's something work related. Other times it's something personal. Um, right now to just in full transparency, uh, my parents are aging and, um, mm. you know, we're, we're working with them to help uh, take care of some health issues and things like that. Um, it's, I'm separated from them by a couple of States. So they're in another yeah. place and, uh, you know, there's some weight that I'm carrying around that. And, uh, so I will just make note of that on my way over to these guys, to whoever's house we're meeting at. And when they say, Hey, Mitch, how's your week? I'll have something to talk about and unpack these things a little bit with these guys. And it's not that anybody's handing out, you know, gems of great advice or wise counsel or anything like this. We're simply just sharing life together and finding empathy and encouragement. And uh, I was really challenged uh, by a counselor at one point in the midst of my burnout. He says, where do you go to find empathy? Where do you go to find those people who simply say, man, we understand. We're, we're with you, man. That must be really heavy, man. That, that, that must be tough. And, uh, you know, it was hard for me to think of that a lot. Oftentimes I would keep some of that stuff for my wife because I didn't want to just dump all this stuff on her all the time. And, um, he said, you know, there are definitely things you should share with your wife. 
And there are definitely things that you should find other people to share with, to share the load, to bear one another's burden, to come alongside and do that. And so I call them, I call them my lightning rod people. You know, these people that I can talk with that, you know, it'll, they do what a lightning rod does. It, lightning rods take all the heat and all the energy from a bolt of lightning and they just put it into the ground hmm. and realize that around me, I've got, I've got mentors that I could go to and talk with about things that are going on. Um, and uh, you know, in finding a mentor, I just encourage pastors, find the wisest person, you know, and just start taking them out to lunch for no apparent reason. Hmm. Don't call a mentor. You'll scare them off. Don't, don't do any of that. Just yeah. say, Hey, you go to lunch with me. I'd love to buy you lunch. And you know, just have you, um, help me with a couple of things. They would love, they're wise men and women around who would love to do that for you. And so finding those kind of people are helpful and, uh, you know, using that pattern and regular rhythms of how much do I reflect on what's going on? And then how much do I, uh, you know, find moments to share with others. And certainly when needed, I go once a year, uh, whether I need to or not, or feel like I need to or not, go once a year and spend four sessions in close succession with a counselor. And I have that counselor on speed dial and I'll touch base with him throughout the course of the year. Things are heavy and, and need that kind of conversation for sure. But all of those things add up to us regularly unpacking our emotional bags so that it doesn't just build up and eventually get us. I imagine part of the monthly journaling you do to really just release whatever emotion, emotional baggage you're carrying at that time is just therapeutic in itself. Is there any next step that you take when you're writing something down and maybe becoming clear for the first time, you know, that maybe you're carrying something you don't? Is there ever a time you do something with that? Or is it purely therapeutic to just get it out? Well, the is just get it out. It's about to think about how the terms we use, we talk about getting it off our chest. It's like we carry these things as a weight. But one of the things that I make sure I do in my journal is ask the question, who could I talk to about this? Like, where would I go to share this with somebody? And uh, so often uh, I find pastors and I did this myself. I mean, I tend to be kind of an introvert. Um, we, we tend to just carry the weight of these things on our own. Um, but I always try to make a note of who do I need to talk to about this? And so it's that second part of that rhythm of both personal reflection, but finding that person to talk with. And so oftentimes as I roll through that journal, um, there'll be the notation of this is the person that I need to go to talk with about this, or this is something that I need to do to follow up on this. But it's nine times out of 10 connecting with another person to help me walk the journey of setting that down and moving away from it so that I can be at my yeah. best uh, most of the time. Yeah, that's so helpful. Thank you. Uh, you know what? Everything you've shared has been so helpful. And there's three other things that we're going to want to dive into, uh, three other rhythms. And we're going to cover those next week in our time together. Uh, but where can people find you if they want to follow you more online or hear more, ask you questions, Mitch? Sure. Uh, they can just go to my website at refillcoaching.com. And, uh, there's a place there to read just more about uh, the things that I've been doing just to help other leaders, uh, both on the business side and on the church side, uh, but where people can also schedule a, a call with me that maybe just ask some questions and to begin to start a conversation around what developing a plan like this for them might look like. I love it. It's super important. Thank you again, Mitch, for joining us today. And we're going to look forward to having more of this conversation uh, in our next episode.
Well, hey guys, I want to invite you and your team to join us in Nashville, Tennessee for Spire Conference 2023 on September 26th through the 28th. Hundreds of ministry leaders are going to gather together for a three-day leadership event where you're going to be able to connect, collaborate, and be encouraged for a new ministry season. You all can register your team at spire.network forward slash spire conference. We want to thank you again for joining us today. We will see you again next time. <music>